Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Kristen Shivago, the founder of Shivago Partners, a digital marketing management agency. Now, we're talking about how to market a little more ethically and ask more questions. Thanks for downloading. Now, should we be tracking all our customers to the nth degree, kind of finding out every little detail about them? Or should we try and be a bit more ethical in our approach? Now, in this episode, I'm chatting with Kristen Shivago, the founder of Shivago Partners and the author of Roadmap to Revenue, How to Sell the Way Your Customers Want to Buy. Now, Kristen explains how we can be a little more ethical with our marketing efforts and how asking the right questions can sometimes get us better answers. Uh, you can find Kristen on the Shivago Partners website, which is shivagopartners.com, uh, and there's a link to a book in the show notes, also the website as well. Check those out. Uh, can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is totally ad-free. I'd love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media and subscribe via your podcast app. You can check out more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcast. Also love it if you could join my digital marketing Facebook group, which is surprisingly called Not Another Facebook Marketing Group. Uh, there's links in the show notes. Now, the first thing I asked Kristen was if she thought digital marketing data collection was becoming unethical. Are we tracking and monitoring folk a bit too much? Well, the old mantra, just because you can doesn't mean, or just because, yeah, just because you can yeah. doesn't mean you should. should yeah. um, I've been saying that for a long time. And I think it's, to me, uh, what's happening with marketing is like driving a car. Hmm. Most people drive a car to go somewhere and and they don't do any harm with the car. Yeah. It's a convenience, it works, it's fine, it's wonderful. But if you hit somebody, then you've just turned it into a, a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and if you've hit somebody with intent... If you actually hurt other people with intent because you're greedy or you just can't get enough and you're trying to get more from them than you really should be getting, and you're you're doing damage in a way that if someone had done it to you, you'd be upset. Yeah. It's the golden rule kind of thing, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And the same thing applies. If you wouldn't like somebody to do that to you, then you shouldn't be doing it to them. Yeah, because a, a lot of companies have started off with really good intentions, haven't they? And then it seems to have gone a little too far. Well, it's it's hard not to go mm. too far. I mean, once you know you've got... And the problem with, with tracking and statistics and all of that in marketing is once you get a little taste of it, the next thing happens... The next thing that happens is you take it to the CEO of a company and he goes, oh, that's really interesting. That's great. Can you also tell me this? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> And yeah. so it expands. It takes on a life of its own. And then you're gathering data just to gather data. And it doesn't necessarily matter. So I think one of the questions is, what data do we actually need in order to help people accomplish their goals? If that's the intent, if we're trying to make it easier for them to buy or achieve their, their goals, then... Okay, and actually people are pretty comfortable with that. Yeah. You know, if it gives them convenience or gives them some easier way to do something, they usually are willing to give up some privacy for yeah. that. 
Yeah. Do, do you think there's a difference between, well, there is a difference, isn't there, between the mighty big few at the top like Google and Facebook and folks like that and then the average marketer in the office who's literally just trying to trying to register some ROI or something you know they're trying to figure out whether that advert has actually brought in any revenue or something like that whereas you've got the the lot at the top who who literally just want to know where you are 24 7 don't they yeah and I think I think that's too far. I mean, mm. personally, I turn on, I use Google Maps, you know, as all of us do, yeah. uh, when I'm going somewhere on my phone, and I turn on location services when I do that. But after I'm done with Google Maps, I turn it off. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they need to know where I'm going. And part of the problem here is that we're collecting data for the wrong reason. So, for example, there's this whole just absolute um, massive attention paid to things like personas. Sure. And the problem with personas is that, as I often say, an 80-year-old guy <clears throat> will probably buy a blender for the same reasons that an 18-year-old <laughs> guy would do it. Yes. So it doesn't really help. You don't really need to know a lot of things to track them. What I've instead been focusing on the last few years is something I call the customer's mindset with a capital M, when they set out to buy. And the mindset consists of their desires, their sure. needs, in other words, their concerns, and their questions. So the desires are pretty obvious. They're looking for a solution to a problem, usually, or they have a need or something. There's something that they want. And you need to understand exactly what it is they want, not what you think they want. And by the way, most companies get that wrong. Uh, and then the second thing is their concerns, which is really based on all of the experiences they've had trying to buy this or they've bought this somewhere else and it's been disappointing. There's no such thing as a virgin environment when you're selling something. People have had some kind of experience or they've read reviews. They, they already have concerns sure. about what could happen that was bad. Yeah. And then they have questions. How big is it? Will it fit in this space? Is it compatible with the other applications that I have? Is it going to fit me? You know, and those questions need to be answered. When marketers actually focus on and understand those things and they have to interview their customers to find out what they really are, guessing is just a death. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. <laughs> not yeah. the yeah. way to go. Yeah. Then things work out great. Everybody gets what they want. Yeah, I, I, we've been talking about these needs and wants things for decades, haven't we? I mean, for a long, long time. Uh, do you think the digital world has kind of got in the way of our thinking as a marketer a little bit? And we, we, we jump to the data instead of jump to the asking somebody a question? You know, that's a great question. Because the answer, of course, is yes. Hmm. We've forgotten that yeah. people buy products. Yeah. <laughs> And people are not, sure, they, they have needs and desires and concerns and questions in common. But if you think you know what they are, and I keep coming back to that because I've been, I've been really encouraging people to interview their customers. Sure. And by the way, you have to do it after they have purchased from you. Yeah. And you have to do it just by phone. So it's a very, you know, there's no physical presence involved. There's no Zoom video or anything. And surveys don't work because you're just putting your preconceived notions into a form 
uh, you know, uh, in two of the form of questions. So you just you just have somebody who's knowledgeable about your area, whatever, who's a third party if possible, because people can be very polite and they won't tell you sure. what you're doing wrong. You get them on the phone and you ask them open-ended questions. And I have these questions in my book. I've worked all this out over thousands of interviews. And, you know, how do you feel about our product and service? Um, what else did you look at? If you were going to Google looking for this, what would you type in? If you were the CEO of this company tomorrow, what's the first thing you would fix? Those kinds of questions. And then you find out in the course of doing that what their desires, concerns, and questions are. And then you have a roadmap, which is why I call my book Roadmap to Revenue, to revenue because you know what they want and then you can figure out how to give it to them. Yeah, and it's it's very difficult to get those answers if you're just relying on, on data collection alone, isn't it? It's almost impossible, I would imagine. Well, it is impossible. And, 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 and part of the problem, too, is that people don't really care very much about giving you data and filling out surveys and everything. But if you reach out to them and you're nice to them about yeah, it and, yeah. you know, they realize that you're just trying to learn, they actually are very helpful. I have not had – I had one guy question whether he should do it or not and he wanted to make sure I was legit. But this is out of thousands of consumer B2B and B2C interviews where people were willing to spend at least a half an hour on the phone – answering these questions sure and and by the way the surveys are boring for people yeah. too that's the other problem yeah. i mean when it's something interesting somebody's interested in what you're saying and you know it it would it's not it's almost a little flattering to have somebody call you up and ask your opinion on something that you don't even need to do any homework yeah of course yeah you know is, you just yeah. say oh yes well this is what i was looking for and how i felt about it people are quite conversational and they're more than happy to give you enough data yeah, I remember years and years ago, there were there were market researchers who used to go door to door around in the UK, and they used to like carry around bagfuls of vouchers and things to give to people for for spending half an hour answering a a survey or something. And they would ask some really in depth questions, a lot of questions, and they'd spend a good half an hour to an hour with you. Yeah. Um, and and now we just kind of like send these little surveys off by email with a yes and no answer, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, if the answer isn't there, I mean, I've had people survey me by phone and they say, well, is it A, B, C, or D? And I'm thinking it's none of those things. And I say that to them. Yeah. And then the person on the phone says, well, okay, I'll just say B. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> thinking to myself, <laughs> yeah. some poor CEO somewhere is making decisions based on <laughs> B being the answer when, in fact, it wasn't even... Uh, an option. The answer, yeah. the real answer, wasn't an option. So you can't get to the truth. Sure. Through those kinds of surveys, it doesn't work. Yeah. And um, now, I mean, data collection does help a little bit. I mean, I mean, we do. But where, where do you think we should kind of draw the line? When, when should we stop and and alarm bells ring? Uh, you mean in terms of collecting data yeah. about people? Yeah, it, it's kind of like if somebody comes to you and says, oh, I got this cool new tool, this fabulous new app, and we can track this, we can identify that, and we can use machine learning and lordy knows what else. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then w where do you say to yourself, where should I draw the line and say, no, that's not for me? Well, I think really it's up to marketing people to stand up for the customer 
<clears throat> and to basically say, do we really need to know that yeah. in order to sell more? Yeah. And more importantly, if the marketing person does what I'm recommending, and I've done this so many times, I've spoken all around the world about you know interviewing your customers, and honestly, it's the only source of power that yeah. a marketer has in an organization. Yeah. And that's the intimate knowledge, the deep understanding of the customer. I remember one copywriter that <clears throat> I used to do a lot of marketing and sales department turnarounds, and there was a guy working at Dow Jones who was a copywriter, very smart guy. And I convinced him to talk to a couple of his customers before he wrote another line of copy. And I was passing his cubicle, and he had this look on his face. He just hung up the phone. And he looked at me and said, oh, now I know who I'm talking to. Yeah. Now I'm talking to a real person. I just talked to Bob. And the things he told me, you know, you learn stuff. And yeah. your eyes open. And then as a marketer, you can stand up in front of the CFO or anybody else who's recommending crazy, unusual things to do or things that are not quite ethical or whatever. And you can say, no, 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 we don't need to do that. Yeah. Because I have this data from our real customers. We're reverse engineering a successful sale. These are the types of people who want us. This is what they care about. And then you can stand up with confidence and yeah. actually dominate the meeting, which is very unusual for marketing people when they don't have this data. They don't have a leg to stand on. Sure. So you can actually keep people by proactively doing this. You can keep people yeah. from making bad decisions and going off on these terrible tangents where you waste all this money and time, and it doesn't really do you any good. You still miss the mark. Yeah. And the customer coming to your website will know immediately that you don't know who they are and what they really want. Yeah. I, I like the idea where you, where you said we should kind of like draw the line when it, the data, I suppose, is not really of use to us. Uh, there's the fact that we could have this data and we, we just have some more data. But if it's not going to be of use to us and help us actually sell something, then it's pointless, isn't it? Well, it's also dangerous. I mean, mm. it means that <clears throat> you'll get some data and you'll say, oh, this is useful and we should do this. Yeah. And you'll go off on this path that's in just another rabbit hole. Yeah. It's, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. Do you see people taking a bit more control over over privacy in the future with with tracker blocking in their web browsers and and all these pr privacy tools on on oh, phones. Oh sure, yeah, you, yeah. You see that's that a market. Yeah. <laughs> that's a yeah. whole market. Well, Apple's gone heavy up. into it, haven't they? I think, yeah. 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 And you see this? You see people taking more control themselves? Do you think? Oh, absolutely. Yes, that's definitely happening already. Um, a lot of it's become quite commonplace for people to browse incognito, for example. Yeah. Um, that's a really easy thing to do. And just, you know, and it's also, there's there's this enormous implied trust that has sure. happened with the, uh, the absolute proliferation of cloud-based applications. My yeah. whole company runs on the cloud. That's, yes. it's, I'm, and I'm not unusual. We all now run all of our apps and all of our processes out on the cloud. Yeah. So everybody's out there in the cloud, and how do I know that someone at Apple or, or Google or whatever isn't, you know, spying on my stuff? Sure. I have to trust that they're going to keep my data secure 
And so there's this big, massive implied trust thing going on, while at the same time, it's getting easier and easier for especially large corporations to track the heck out of people. Yeah. And so you go back to the car analogy. As long as you're just going down the road and you're not running into people, then it's fine. The minute you start doing things that are damaging to people or rude even, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, then you've gone over the line. Yeah. Do, do you think that you think they've generated that trust, particularly the larger companies? I'm thinking Facebook and Google and Microsoft and the, and the big providers. Do you think they've kind of generated that trust by giving so much for free or very cost-effective, very cheap? Well, I don't think that's a, a valid tie-in. I think... Hmm. I mean, Apple certainly doesn't. Apple's got an enormous brand sure, trust not recognition. Cheap. I was yeah. just looking at a statistic where they're the most valuable brand in the world kind of thing. Yeah, Coca-Cola's yeah. number two, believe it or not. Um, you expect certain things from a company that is that high up on the scale. Sure. And you, you really expect them not to be corrupt and or corruptible. Um, and they, they, they are held, they have to be held accountable. And, you know, in a way, it's the marketplace that determines whether they can stay that way. If somebody yeah. blows the whistle on something and suddenly they're outed for some unethical thing they're doing in a factory in China or, you know, where they're hurting the workers or their, their people have managed to steal information from customers or whatever. Mm-hmm then they really are in trouble. Their, their wonderfully hard-earned reputation can go down the tubes overnight, just sure. overnight. We've seen it over and over again, especially with social media now and the instantaneous aspect of news. So I, I think uh, you just, it, they don't, it isn't because they gave things away. It's mm. because they behaved a certain way and you knew when they said, this is what we're going to do and they did it, Yeah, that you could trust them to do it. Yeah, because I, I think they all started off with good intentions. I mean, I know Google right at the beginning had this motto, don't be evil. But yeah. I think as soon as, as soon as they went public and, and they floated, I think... It's a different world, isn't it? You, you take that ideology, uh, ideology kind of almost disappears and, uh, and shareholder value <laughs> moves in instead, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a sad fact of going public, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and I think that they're um, do no evil thing. Well, I loved it when they said it, when they <laughs> first said it. I thought, okay, good, good. This is yeah. really a good thing for a corporation to, to say and then do. I think it's a little tarnished right now. Yeah, just a little. People still wonder about that. And it's, I, I will say, though, that they, they could be doing more evil, and they're not, as sure. far as I can tell. Yeah. So my hat's off to them for that, because yeah. they're really quite powerful. They still own 94, 95%, whatever it is, of the browser market. It's phenomenal, isn't it? It's incredible. Yeah, yeah incredible. Uh, do you do you think we'll see more government legislation? Do, do we kind of need global leg legislation? Well, that'll never happen. 
Well, no, I've, I'm laughing because I've never found anything that the government didn't try to regulate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know? you, you, you kind of go through phases, don't you? There's like masses of regulation happen, and then another government comes along and says, "We've got to get rid of all this legislation." Yeah, you cut you're, the you're red tape, and right. then and then everything goes mad, and it gets exploited to the nth degree, and then all the legislation comes back again. Yes, it is a pendulum. It does mm. swing back and forth. You are absolutely right about that. And it depends on who's in power and what their mm. promise is to the constituents. And yeah, it's the problem with regulation is that they, they, they regulate based on the exception. Yeah. So they assume that someone bad is going. And again, you know, again, I go back to my car analogy. If, if the people in the world, were as bad as they look in a lot of the movies and the popular entertainment and so on, we could not even drive down the freeway yeah. safely at all yeah. because everybody would be a jerk and, yeah. you know, instead of the usual, my, the, my jerk factor ratio, I think, I think there's about one in 10 people yeah. are jerks. Yeah, yeah, probably. And, and that's, you know, you can get down the freeway with that. Yeah. So, so you, you, you do, I mean, do you think governments will try and legislate uh, and fail, or do, or do you think, do you think that it will happen, uh, and, and they will say you cannot collect all this data unless you have a, a an actual reason to do it? Well, governments will legislate. That's what they do, mm. right? So, you can't stop that process. That that's what they're going to do. That's what they they go to work every day. The people who do that work. Are yeah. find that all they have at their disposal really is legislation, and so they're going to try to regulate. It's very difficult to regulate in a way that actually works for yeah. everybody, especially for the good people trying to do the right thing. It's ironically, yeah, weird how that works out. Yeah, it's a, it's a little. We had the GDPR thing come in a few few years ago here in the UK, and. Yep. And and whilst the whole idea of it is is good, it kind of smaller companies, smaller businesses, tiny people are like having a flipping nightmare because there's there's they're having to write reams of terms and conditions. They're having to monitor exactly what happens to this, that, and the other. And then Facebook just do what the heck they want and and get called to Parliament to explain themselves. Well, they and, can afford the yeah. fees, yeah. whereas the yeah. small business, when Can't you, I think they had a $25 million or one quarter of your revenue or something, whatever comes yeah. first, yeah. and the small business people totally freaked out yeah. because they couldn't afford it. If yeah. they were in, in any way, you know, slightly off, and it was it was a complex thing that required, like you said, reams of paper and data and work and figuring out what, because that's the other problem with regulation is they have to be very specific and the language is legalese. So you read it and then you scratch your head and you read it again yeah. and you scratch your head. <laughs> yeah. So for the small business who's barely, barely has enough time to get everything done in the day and and hardly gets any sleep, you know, the small business owner is up against doing a whole lot of things, him or herself, they don't have time for this. No. And so that's the real burden. Unfortunately, the sufferers of, of too much legislation are the small businesses. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, yeah. the last time I looked at the census in the United States, I think the, the, the data that I had was the 2004 census. And even then, before the internet really, really took off, um, 90 some odd percent 
of the businesses in the United States had one to nine employees. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's mostly, that's what drives the economy is small businesses, entrepreneurs, mom and pops, you know. um, And it's easier than ever to start businesses now because of the web. And so the regulation, the, the increase in regulation and the burden on small business is really tough, tough, yeah. tough, tough. Yeah, I, I remember having a phone call from exactly that. It was a, it was a, a one-man band, and, and, and he, he phoned me up about this GDPR, and he said, can I still send my invoices by email to people, or do I have to get permission? And it's like, yes, you can. But it's, it, there is this element of huge amount of confusion, isn't there? Yeah, and fear. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Worried. You know, if yeah. you just do one tiny thing that isn't quite right you could really you could lose your business and that's yeah. a scary thing for an entrepreneur it's the day you realize somebody could just walk in and say you're shut down because you didn't dot this i yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a scary um, thing yeah. so yeah it's it's a burden it costs money it costs resources and time. It slows down the economy when people have to back up and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Mm. I have to make sure that this and this and this and this and this are correct according to this new law. It, it mean, everything slows down until people figure it out. And then they kind of, you know, they figure it out and it gets okay. Sarbanes-Oxley was like that. It took a long time for people to get it. And then GDPR, mm. you know, you see these waves of regulation come through and people then finally adjust to them and then yeah. move on. Yeah. Where do you see things moving in the near future? Do, do you think it's going to become more ethical or do you think we're going to be doing a lot more tracking? How do you think it's going to play out? Well, we're going to do a lot more tracking just because they can. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. And they're, they're, I'm sure people will be willing to give up certain privacy and such if they get convenience. Yes. And convenience is kind of the, the real currency. I mean, the, when you asked if Google made things free and so on, what Google really did yeah. is they figured out how to give you what you wanted when you did a search. Yes. So you, even if you have to use a couple more words to narrow it down a little bit, people have learned how to add a few phrases to get what they call a long tail keyword phrase that gives you what you were looking for. And Google's really good at figuring out your intent when you go to make a search. And that's their secret sauce. And they continue to make that work. It's convenient and it gives you what you want. And as long as that's happening, then people will be willing to you know, give up a little inconvenience or not inconvenience, but a little privacy here and there. So I think that's going to continue. Yeah, I, I always look at Google Maps as a as a thing like you, you mentioned before. I mean, I, I remember a, a long, quite a while ago, probably before Google Maps, the sat nav in the car. If I wanted to kind of like update it to like when new roads were built, then I'd have to pay like 120 pounds and download a whole load of new maps and everything and install them into the car. Whereas now, it's it's just free. It's, I just put my phone on the dash and there we go. Yes, you are yeah. right about that. The lowering of the price of all sorts of things, the commoditization of yeah. services and products and information. You are absolutely right about that. If that's what you were talking about before, then yeah. yes, you yeah. are right. Things yeah. become almost, they could become free or almost free over yeah. time just the way tech works yeah it's fascinating i could chat for ages and ages about this Kristen. um mention your book tell us about your book again and where we can find you your website and that 
The book is Roadmap to Revenue, How to Sell the Way Your Customers Want to Buy. It's on Amazon. Cool. Um, and you can either Google me, Kristen Javago. I've come up with all sorts of, um, you know, podcasts and articles yeah. and so yeah. on. And my website, our website is com. I actually own and run a digital marketing management company. So we're sort of a, an outsourced uh, digital marketing company for people. Cool. What I'll do, I'll stick some links in the show notes so folks can just tap away, tap away on that. Sounds um, good. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to Kristen for her time. Don't forget to check out all the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, then you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.